once verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 188 of Priority One Podcast, the premier Star Trek online podcast, recorded Thursday, August 28th, 2014, unfortunately for the last time on trekradio.net, but available for download or streaming on Monday, September 1st, 2014 at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. I'm Cookie. And I'm Jace. And in the recording booth is our audio engineer, Skiffy. Hello. All right, Cookie, why don't you tell us what we have in store this week? Captains, this week we check out our interview with the team representing Qualcomm Tricorder X-Prize at Star Trek Las Vegas. This week in STO News, several dev blogs have been released for Delta Rising, including an overview of the new Tier 6 ships and an introduction on how Tier 5 ships will be upgraded with STO's second expansion. We've also got the new trailer to dissect. What little spoilers might have been hidden within the trailer? Later in the show, we're joined by first-time guest on Priority One Podcast, content manager Laughing Trendy, and community manager Captain Smirk, to get an insight on the new changes to dev blogs, plans for the forums, and other community engagement leading up to Delta Rising. And later, we'll open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming from you, our listeners. And don't forget, Captains, PriorityOnePodcast.com hosts more than just this podcast. Check out our blogs and more only on PriorityOnePodcast.com. So, everything is all packaged up, and on Friday, August 29th, we'll be dropping off your rewards at the post office. Are you excited to receive your rewards? Unfortunately, there are about three or so people who still haven't replied to Elijah's emails. So please keep an eye out on your inbox so that if we have any questions, we can easily contact you. Please add at PriorityOneNetwork.com and at PriorityOnePodcast.com to your safe senders list to avoid dumping into spam. Well, Captains, let's find out how soon we'll have a functioning tricorder in our hands with an interview with Qualcomm Tricorder X-Prize at Star Trek Las Vegas. I don't know. Then let's trek it out. Captains, I'm standing here with John. John, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what this awesome boot is all about? Best I can do. Uh, my name is John. I'm here with the Qualcomm Tricorder X-Prize. Uh, what we're doing is we are uh, holding a competition to make the world's first functioning medical tricorder. That is epic. That is epic. Now, that has been in the news several times. Uh, it is fantastic. Talk to us a little bit about uh, what type of feedback you've been receiving. I mean, you know, who is, who is um, uh, trying to be involved in the project, and how far along has it come in actually doing that? All right, so uh, we had, at the beginning, uh, there were, I think, over 300 teams uh, that were competing for the prize. We're down to 20. Uh, we're going to narrow that down to 10, I believe, by the end of the month. Wow. And we are announcing the winner in 2016. That's amazing. Do you have any of the devices here, by chance? No. Oh, okay, 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 okay. So what uh, what qualifies it to be a tricorder? What does it have to do in order to meet the standards? And what are the standards? Sure, sure. Um, I mean, I don't have all the parameters yeah, memorized, absolutely. but like, uh, it needs to be portable. 
It needs to weigh below a certain amount. Uh, it should be wireless. It needs to correctly uh, diagnose and identify uh, 15 different medical conditions that we've outlined. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And it should be non-invasive. Uh, let's see. Any, all of the ones that are uh, that are on these these posters oh, okay, here. Okay. Okay. So we're talking hypertension, uh, pneumonia. Wow. Let's see. Uh, osteoporosis. Wow. Um, there's yeah. There, and there are 12 others. There's there's a bunch of other ones too that are sort of like a bonus, nice to have. Right. 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 Um, yeah. Now, why don't we talk a little bit about the the impact that a device like this can have uh, in the field in the world? Just what 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 could this do? I mean, probably change the face of medicine. Right. Yeah. We're democratizing healthcare. Uh, it, it's it's uh, it's like that one episode of TNG where uh, Barclay gets his hands on a medical tricorder. I mean, we it might not be great for hypochondriacs, right, but uh, right, right. it's you know it's the kind of thing where you know like you should be able to just scan yourself and say, oh, I have the flu, or you know like uh, I have appendicitis, I need to go to the hospital. Right. 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 Um, it would also be great for developing nations. Right. We're talking uh, places where there are no doctors, right. or where the doctors there have very little training. You know, you have you have a device here to be your backup, to be kind of like you know your 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 diagnostician. Absolutely. Now, is the device is the design of the device or one of the qualifications uh, to be something that the average person can own, or that's the hope. Yeah, that's yeah. the hope. Yeah, healthcare in the palm of your hand. Okay. Right. Wonderful. 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 Now, where can people follow uh, and keep track of, of all the developments and uh, and stay up to date with uh, the news? It's on the back of the uh, of the the cards here. It's uh, okay. tricorderfederation.org. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah, you can also follow uh, XPRIZE on Facebook, Twitter. I'm sure that it's on Tricorder Federation. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, is there anything you'd like to say to the to our audience and and our fans here about uh, about the project? Uh, we're getting close. We're getting close, indeed. Indeed. Well, John, thank you so very much for. Uh, Talking with me here for a moment. Thank you. We wish the best, and we can't wait for the announcement. Right on. Thank right you. On. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. So let's talk about the new Star Trek Online Delta Rising official trailer that was just released. I personally loved it. I got chills when I watched it. It had a nice variety of action scenes and a few storyline hints along the way. The video editing was amazing and I loved the music. It kind of reminded me of um, Battlestar Galactica, the part in the beginning of each episode when it flashes through the different scenes with that epic music. YouTuber Userall put out a very detailed analysis of the trailer on his channel. It's quite impressive, and of course he makes it clear that a lot of it is just speculation, but he did notice quite a few things that were worth mentioning. For example, the USS Voyager is seen in the trailer, which makes you wonder if that's going to be possibly a new ship that's released. The video also showed several other ships that we've never seen before in the Federation, Romulan, and Klingon variety along with different species, including, but not limited to, Malon, Undine, Kazan, Benthans, Voth, Borg, and possibly even Cardassian. There was also some speculation between whether or not the Hazari were spotted, or if it was actually the Vaduar. I'm not sure. And did you guys notice the zipline thing? That looks like so much fun. If we actually get to do that in-game, I might just zipline back and forth all day. <sighs> Um, I did notice that Admiral Quinn's secretary, Linnea, who was the only Okampa character in STO previously, is shown several times in the video. So it's only logical that she would have a larger role in the expansion. So that brings us to our first community question. What did you think of the new announcement trailer for Delta Rising? 
Did you catch teasers or Easter eggs that we might have missed? Let us know your thoughts in the comment section for this episode on PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO188 or in the post for this episode on the Star Trek online forums. All right, Captains, one of the most debated points from the Delta Rising announcement at the Star Trek Las Vegas convention was the addition of Tier 6 ships to Star Trek Online. What are these? How do they compare with our current smorgasbord of ships? Well, in a new entry from systems designer Phil Gordon-Gonzalez-Zaleski, players are offered a more rounded introduction to the new tier of ships coming in October. Obviously, these ships will benefit from stat improvements like increased and level scaling hit points, an additional console slot, an additional bridge officer ability slot, and starship mastery and starship trait mechanics. For starters, let's talk about the new bridge officer seats. According to the blog, these ships can have a hybrid boff seat that can slot the new specialist bridge officers, which have access to a standard pool of abilities, for example, tactical science engineering, as well as access to a new pool of abilities. Now, what are these new abilities or powers? Nobody knows. I want to know. Anybody know yet? I don't think anybody knows yet. No, it's redacted. It's redacted right now. So now let's get to the new Starship Mastery and Starship Trait mechanics being introduced with Delta Rising. So the way I understand it, this is somewhat akin to an existing five-degree reputation system. You rep through four tiers for passive abilities, then the fifth and final tier will grant you a trait that can be slotted into your uh, space trait slots, or now starship trait slots. I get it. The underlying goal here is that Cryptic wants players to feel as though their tier six ship is growing with them from 50 to 60. So in theory, you could select your tier six ship and enhance it as you level up. The blog describes it as, at level 50, your tier 6 starship might have 35,000 hit points, while at level 60, it'll have 40,000. In addition to it leveling up and earning the passive traits as well as uh, the new mastery trait. Now, we'll get to this later, but tier 5 upgrade ships will not have access to unlock that fifth and final trait. Now, we'll get to this later, but tier 5 upgrade ships will not have access to unlock that fifth and final trait. So imagine the counter-command reputation and not being able to attain the trait in the fifth and final tier. So at first, I'm like, all right, cool beans. New traits, increased hit points, kind of level up as you go. But then I was like, wait a minute here. So two things. A, what happens when I'm level 60 and I get a new tier 6 ship? Do I automatically have access to those traits and the increased hull strength, etc., etc.? Or do I need to level up that level 50 tier 6 ship like I would a new reputation system? And to progress through this ship reputation system, as I like to call it, I still need skill points, correct? So, Which I will also need for the new skill tree they plan on implementing. Right. Now, two things about that. One... You do have to level it up. It'll level one through four or one through five, depending on whether it's tier six or tier five upgrade, but we'll talk about the tier five upgrades afterwards. But the ship will earn its own skill points. Your skill points won't be divided between leveling up your specialization tree and between your ship. And do we know yet how that is earned? Is it earned in conjunction with the existing skill points? It's Yeah, it's the same way you earn skill points. Anything that gives you skill points will give you both. Um, we don't have details. Like, I don't know if it's only space content will give you starship mastery points. I don't. We don't know that. Uh, I have not seen that asked yet. But it won't be splitting your points and like slowing you down, basically. 
I would definitely compare it more to leveling than to a rep because while it shares that four passives and an active, well, see, it shares the four passives and then something else at the end, but it's a widespread misconception that that fifth thing is necessarily an active trait. The starship traits are not necessarily an active trait. Nothing has said that per se. It's just that leveling a ship with an associated trait up to five unlocks that trait, which you can then slot into your new four starship trait slots. I imagine some of them will be active, some of them will be passive. I usually stick with my one good ship for a very long time. I'm not much of a back-and-forth ship swapper. I like to stick with what I enjoy. I like my coffee with its cream in the morning, and I try not to divert from that <laughs> uh, that habit. So, And the same thing with my ships. I have several ships. I've got my cruisers, I've got my escorts, I've got some lockbox ships. Uh, things that I enjoy flying and periodically will have the urge to switch back and forth between. I don't know that I like the idea that at level 60, if I decide I want to buy a new ship, if I want to invest money or Zen or Dilithium, I don't know that I, I, I care much for having to wait to level that ship up. That may be because I don't yet know how long that's going to take. We're not quite sure. Is that going to be a week's time or is it going to be a, a, a three week or, or six month time frame? I, I don't like that idea. I'm not, I'm not sure I enjoy thinking that if I get a new ship that I want to start flying immediately and I want to deck out and gear out immediately that I'm still not going to get the benefits from that ship because I have to wait to level it up. Whereas now from 1 to 50 in the last four years, we haven't had to worry about leveling up our ship. Yeah, I think this is what Tony would have called a cheeks in seats type of uh, mechanic. Yeah, true. We, we don't know, right? We don't know how long it's going to take to level up a ship proportionally. Uh, we don't know how long it's going to take to get from 50th to 60th. They say quite a while, but we also know that leveling 1 to 50 is like lightning fast. Even without the mirror event, it doesn't take very long to level up compared to some games. They know that some people are going to want to pick up certain ships just to unlock a certain trait, right? Not because they necessarily are in love with that ship, but they want to level it up, get the special trait that's associated with that ship, and then use it and go back to their other ship. That's definitely going to happen, and I think that's clear from this mechanic. So uh, my impression would be that leveling up a ship will not be a long, arduous process, as that would frustrate people rather than letting them get a taste of playing something they might not normally play. So the passive traits are only for that specific ship? The passive abilities are appropriate to whatever class of ship, so cruisers, escorts, raiders, whatever. So if I do it on one class of ship, if I switch to another cruiser, I'm not going to have to go level... No, for the level one through four passives, they're linked to the ship. They'll be the same ones per class. Right, but so I still have to go when I, if I get another cruiser, I still have to level it up, right? So there's no, there's no shortcut that we're aware of yet, right? It's not like in a reputation system from from character to character where you get a token and it'll speed up the leveling process. I think that's something that I would like. You know, I don't, I don't know that I want to, I don't know that I want to be level sixty and buy a new, invest money or time in a new ship, only to have to wait to get its max potential because I never had to wait before. Mm -hmm. You know, I never had to spend time. Oh, I got my ship. I knew what the stats were for that ship. I planned for that, got the gear for that ship. But I'm not going to see its max potential until, despite being level 60, I'm not going to see its max potential until it's leveled up. 
And again, these passives are not transferable. So like you said, if I go from a cruiser to another cruiser, I still have to level up that cruiser. And the, the mastery trait, that fifth tier trait, that is like unbound. Right, that you put it into a trait slot and it just affects whatever you're flying. It's just like any other trait. This new starship trait slots, the four starship trait slots, these do not change as you shift ships. No, they would just be part of your loadouts. That's fine, but I don't like the idea of having to level up. So, Cookie, do you usually stick with your Jem'Hadar heavy escort carrier? Do you usually stick with that? Yes. So, when you go from 50 to 60, you don't. Are you gonna? St- what are you gonna do? What do you? Gonna, what do you think you'll do? I'm gonna stick with it. Mine is eligible for the free upgrade. All Jem'Hadar ships would be eligible for the free upgrade, so that's nice. Yes. If it wasn't though, I still wouldn't buy a new tier six ship. Why not? I just don't want to spend that much money on it. Not real money. Maybe if I grinded for like a year and a half, <laughs> I could get enough zen made from my dilith- dilithium, but I'm happy with my ship. I was under the impression, and, and maybe other players are under this impression too, is that the the fifth trait that is earned in this new leveling system for your ship um, will go into a new series of slots for your traits, right? They will not be shared with your existing four space trade slots. Correct. Right? So these these new traits will go into their own row of four starship traits. Exactly. Right? So, okay, right now that's not a problem. Now, had they lumped this into the space trait, oh, that would have been a problem. Yeah, that would have been brutal. Because... Yeah, I mean, let's, you know, you've got genetic resequencers, you've got the, repu- the reputation system. I mean, you're not really getting any traits from the reputation system. Or genetic resequencers, your existing character traits. It would have been brutal if they would have uh, tried to lump that into the four existing slots. Um, but then again, there will come a time where we're going to have to figure out, all right, what four traits are we going to want to use? Yeah, I'm just not a fan right now of, of this leveling thing, right? Because I like to know that what I'm getting, I'm going to get now. If I make a, a uh, especially a monetary investment, and then I don't have to wait to level something up. All right, but uh, moving on because we're going to talk about the tier five upgrades later. Cookie, why don't you talk about uh, the operations report? Well, a new devlog index has been released, aka the Starfleet Activity Report. It's an easy way to keep track of what's new and go back to previous blogs and announcements. It's organized by categories, so we've got incoming dev reports, events. Tribble test server, official media, engineering core reports, and there is a to-be-continued section for all the beep-boop-bop-boop-beep-beep-beep and other top-secret announcements yet to come. I like the index. I'm not sure that it will get fully utilized because of the current layout of the website. I've been really pleased with the overhaul, the look and overhaul that Laughing Trendy has done. This is the one thing that I feel a little confused about. Like, it's not intuitive for me. Um, I don't have much beyond that. I wish I can offer a bit more constructive criticism to it. Um, But I didn't know what it was. And I didn't know what I could click and what I couldn't click. One thing I'd really like to see is, you know, so for instance, incoming uh, engineering core report, tier six ships, right? Um, You see how it has the little end caps at the end, like the little little bookends? Uh I would love for that to be maybe a different color if it's clickable. Something that highlights it. Yeah, something that highlights it that says this is capable of being clicked. Yeah, I noticed some of them you could and some of them you couldn't, but I was thinking maybe it's just because it wasn't finished. Well, it's because those haven't been released yet. I mean, I like it, but I pretty much need to bookmark it and make it sort of personally my landing page for the site. 
because otherwise it'll just show me whatever the most recent blogs are. For instance, Utopia Planitia ship report, that's due out August 28th, it looks like. So that cannot be clicked when you hover over it, but the engineering core report for the Constellation class, which we'll get to later, was released on 826, two days ago from the time of this recording. This is another thing too, is like, all right, so today's 828, right? I didn't see a Utopia Planitia report. So they, you know, they kind of put themselves between a rock and a hard place here if they're going to put the dates on there. But yeah, it's just these, you know, small little things, small little, uh, you know, tweaks that I appreciate just to kind of make sure that if I'm on my phone and I got to access something quick, I know immediately what I need to click. Yeah, it moves in the right direction. I think with some tweaking, it could be something really cool and useful. Like I said earlier, and I said even to Trendy herself, that I really like the new UI look that is being incorporated into Arc, which is arguably not something that we have enjoyed since having moved into. Our next hot topic this week concerns the tier five Starship upgrades. So at a glance, this may seem a bit confusing as the information includes not only two dev blogs, but also several lengthy forum Q and A's with Gorn Gonzola, plus a brief clarification by Captain Gecko, which was also backed up by Salami Inferno on the STO subreddit. So all of these sources will be included in the show notes. And what I'm gonna do is give an overview of the system as simply as I can. First off, how do you upgrade? Any character, 50 or above, will have this option when visiting a Starship Selector NPC on a ground map, where a new button will appear offering the upgrade option to eligible ships. For some ships, which is most Sea Store and Fleet ships, this will require either a Zen cost or an item purchased from the Zen Store, not unlike a Fleet Ship module. Though Gorgonzola has stated that Fleet Ship modules themselves will not be the mechanism used. For other ships, including low buy, lockbox, DOF pack promotion ships like the bug ship or the bulwark, event and veteran ships, the upgrade will be free. Finally, mirror ships, episode rewarded ships, and ships that cost fleet credits, dilithium, or a rank up token only will not be upgradable. This will result in the ship being immediately upgraded to a T5U or tier five upgraded version. T5U ships will gain additional hull hit points that will scale with your captain as you level up, an additional console slot, bringing fleet and other currently 10 console ships to 11, the rest from 9 to 10, and four Starship Mastery levels. Each level, as Elijah was discussing, brings a new passive ability, giving a sizable boost to a ship stat, with examples given like damage reduction, critical hit chance, or hit points. While it lacks the fifth mastery level of a T6 ship, Gorgonzola clarified that the fifth level strictly only unlocks a starship trait. Traits, like we said, can be slotted by the captain once unlocked and can benefit any ship he or she flies. Leveling up a T5U ship simply will not unlock any new traits. Additionally, Captain Gecko noted there would be other sources for starship traits besides leveling a tier six ship yet to be revealed. So. If I have a tier five upgrade ship, that doesn't mean I'm not eligible to slot that fifth trait that I would normally get from a tier six ship. I just won't be able to do it as I'm leveling up that ship. That ship will not get its own free or specific trait, mastery trait. I think of it like the special consoles that some sea store ships come with that you can then use as a universal console on other ships. This is like the trait that comes with a tier six ship at level five is kind of like that. Once you've unlocked it, you can use it wherever you want. It's irrelevant to the level system. 
I also think of it as the genetic resequencers, right? So genetic resequencers are standalone and can apply to your captain in, in whatever way. So there could be a ship resequencer. Yes. That, that's exactly what it is, yep. Right. You would find in a lockbox a ship resequencer, rough translation, and apply it to your Tier 5 upgrade ship. So, in other words, Tier 5 upgrades are not incapable of slotting or having that loadout of a mastery trait as your captain. You just can't earn it through your through the progression of that ship. It just won't have a special trait linked to it. Yeah, exactly. Cryptic just didn't go back go back and want to do, you know, thirty or forty new, you know, traits for the old ships. So only the new ships will be coming with those. I mean, that's a bit of like a cool, not cool kind of thing because I'm sure that, you know, a tier six lockbox ship is gonna have a trait that is phenomenal, but you cannot get unless you have that lockbox ship. Well, lockbox is a whole different can of worms because current lockbox ships only go up to T5U and we don't know what's going to happen with new lockboxes. And that's a question that's out there right now. They're going to do tier six lockbox ships because they want those to be the, the highest echelon of ships. So it's, it's undoubted. It, it, there's no doubt in my mind that the new ships, new lockbox ships will be t- tier six. In any case, I still relate it to sea store ships like the Valdore ship, the variant of the Mogai for the Romulans. I'm sure many more people buy it than fly it because that healing console with damage dealt is ridiculous. Or the Vandal Destroyer on the KDF side that is bought almost exclusively for the Plasmonic Leech console. It'll be similar to that. Some people will buy the ships just to use that, just to level up and use that trait or whatever else it comes with that is applicable to their ship of choice. That, that strategy has been around in the game a long time. Okay, so I've only been playing the game for like a year. From the start to right now, how many times have they done this with the ships? There's only really one time that they've substantially increased the ships, and that's when they added the fleet system. And it was similar to this. Existing lockbox and... Uh, were Lobie ships even around yet? In any L- case... Lobie ships came after, like, the second or third lockbox. Yeah, so lockbox Lobie event ships, like the Bug, got a free upgrade to fleet level, so 10 consoles and the bonus hull and shield strength. And then you had to use a fleet ship module uh, to upgrade your your qualifying sea store ships, or you could buy a fleet version through a fleet star base. So in some ways it's analogous to this, and in some ways it's different. But that's really the only time that they've added a new echelon of ships to the game, from tier five to fleet equivalent, which some people would call tier five plus. No, that's a good question. The Odyssey was the one that pioneered it, I think. Because the Odyssey was the first ship that, re- that was released, the first sea store ship that was released that had 10 console slots. And when they did that, or shortly around the time that they did that, they then boosted the bug and whatever other ships, uh, lockbox ships had been released already. They boosted them to all have a 10th console slot. How long ago was that? Two years. It was around the second anniversary, I think. Yeah, it's, it's got to be about two years now. Okay. Okay, so like once every two years. It's about right. I mean, this this game is focused around ships. I mean, th- th- I there's no doubt in my mind that these tier six ships are going to be a hot seller because people are going to want new ships and new functions. All right. So Gorgonzola also laid out that a standard tier six ship is a ten console ship. So a fleet or other ten console ship currently being upgraded to T5U will have an advantage of an additional console and will generally have higher hull and shield values by ten percent than a comparable tier six ship. On the flip side, tier six ship have an additional bridge officer ability, so 13 instead of 12, 
plus some Tier 6 ships, including all of those launching with Delta Rising, but not all the ones to come later, feature the hybrid boff seating for the new Redacted Bridge Officer class. We don't know what it is yet. No Tier 5 U-ships will gain this benefit. I thought that Tier 6 ships had 11, was it not? Tier 6 ships have 10. Standard Tier 5 ships have 9, so it has plus 1 over a standard Tier 5 ship. A fleet ship, by virtue of being a fleet ship, or a fleet equivalent ship, like a Lobby or Lockbox ship, already had 10, and they get plus 1. Okay. So that's the trade-off. The current fleet-level ships will have higher hull and shield values and an extra console slot, but they won't have the extra bridge officer ability or access to the new bridge officer class. Finally, unlike a fleet ship upgrade, Tier 5U upgrades will be account-wide rather than per character. So if you upgrade your Avenger Battlecruiser on your Starfleet Tactical Captain, you can upgrade an Avenger Battlecruiser from Tier 5 to Tier 5U on any other character that also owns that ship for free. Now, this was asked about fleet ships and low-beer lockbox ships. The second character has to also have that ship, but as long as they have it, they can also upgrade it. So if you have two characters that have Fleet Defiance, you pay for one upgrade, it upgrades both Fleet Defiance. But they have to both have the Fleet Defiant. You don't just, the second character doesn't just get a free Defiant class ship. While the price per upgrade has not been finalized for these ships which will require one, it's been stated that the upgrade should fall in the price range of five to $10. Similar to fleet ships and likely the average price difference between a tier five and tier six ship bought outright in the C store. I personally hope this is accomplished via a new tradable item similar to the fleet ship modules, both as a way for players to earn upgrades via energy credits when folks sell them on the exchange, and so that they can be gifted as Zen and Dilithium, as both are challenging to transfer via any kind of normal means. Promote community and the economy. I think having them available on the exchange would, would help to ease some folks with that, because I've definitely bought fleet ship modules that way. Now I'm gonna reserve judgment about the balance between tier 5U and tier 6 ships as we really need a lot more info to say definitively that either is best, but I think that's the intention. Depending on the exact configuration of the additional console or the additional bridge officer ability, not to mention what the new BOF class's powers turn out to be, individual ships will likely fall on both sides of the line, which is a good thing in my opinion. I think there will be T5U ships that are better in some areas than certain tier six ships just because the boff slotting isn't ideal for certain builds and maybe they got a really good console that lets them fit in what they need where there might be some tier six ships with awesome bridge officer slottings but they don't get as many consoles so it's a trade-off well I'm, I'm looking at the chart right so one of the differences between a tier five and a tier six is the additional bridge officer ability so what what that means is that instead of having a lieutenant commander you'll have a commander right or instead of an ensign you'll have a lieutenant commander right and that's why it's hard to judge the power yet because upgrading a lieutenant commander to a commander would be huge but upgrading an ensign to a lieutenant well yeah it's nice to have another lieutenant ability but it's not going to make or break a build much of the time i don't know i don't know because i hate ensign slots i really do i i every since the introduction of ships that do not have an ensign slot i try to avoid it with with a passion um because in most cases at least in the ship builds that i've been running the ensign slot is just a waste of, like i just it's a throwaway ability i just don't care enough for it um 
the other difference is the specialist bridge officer seats where you will have access to that hybrid bridge officer which is only going to be available on tier 6 ships so in other words if I have a tier 5 upgrade ship I cannot use that that hybrid bridge officer which I mean again like you said until we know more about this the specialist bridge officer you know could maybe is not a big deal but it's going to depend on the role you want to play and what abilities they get totally. I mean, maybe if you want to play a hardcore controller science ship, maybe the new bridge officer adds nothing to that, so you don't care. You'll fly a deep space recon or something. I mean, right now, I just, based on what I'm seeing, I'm more inclined to think to myself, all right, I'm just going to get a new tier six ship. I mean, you've got the additional bridge officer ability, you've got the additional seats, but then again, I'm also... I, I don't think that way about you know the, that science build. I'm more of the DPS shoot 'em up kind of thing. So I'm I'm imagining, I can only assume that if you're going to want to do that kind of an output, you may want to invest in that additional office, that bridge officer, at least the ability, man. Just having that extra ability from a, even from an ensign to a lieutenant commander, that can be a big deal in some cases. Yeah, it's really going to depend on the rest of the ship. Like, they, they're taken as a totality. Do we know yet if any tier 6 ships are going to include an additional weapon slot? No, we don't know anything about that yet. Uh, I also like your idea about having whatever the upgrade is to be something that is tradable, like the fleet ship modules. So, that I mean, that that would ease, I think, the financial blow to some people if they can just use EC to purchase it. Yeah, that's my soapbox issue out of all this. I really hope that it's done through some sort of token or an item or something like that. They've said that it's a possibility and you know, I'll, I'll campaign for that because even being able to get it through Dilithium, the Dilithium market is going crazy right now. It's like 200 Dilithium per Zen, which is the highest it's been in a long time because people are trying to hoard and, and get ready because they don't know what's going to happen and it's, it's like playing the market. I personally suspect that when we get news about Mark 14 gear upgrades, it's probably gonna involve the lithium, and so that'll even it out some, but that's just speculation. We also asked our Facebook community about their thoughts on the new blog detailing how tier five ships will be upgraded and the difference between tier five U and tier six ships. Anthony Shane McEwen writes via Facebook, Time to start saving $300 or more just to upgrade all my tier 5 ships and all my fleet ships. Throwing away all my tier 5 ships will have to be the last resort if I can't afford to refit my ships. The Red Bolian wrote, after reading the blog, I think I will wait until I have at least played the Delta Rising content before deciding if either I need to upgrade tier 5 ships or not. Paul Kaiser wrote, finally sat down and read the list. All my ships are upgradable, so I'm good. The cost doesn't bother me as I've played MMOs for years and know when new levels come out, you gotta get new stuff as your old stuff is outdated. Doesn't matter if you paid cash or not. Sean Ayers writes, I would like to see accounts get one free upgrade token. Then it's up to the players to get the rest. But other than another potential cost, I'm really liking the tier five upgrade program. And I do plan on at least upgrading one ship, although I have five or six tier five ships as I like to switch ships often. That's a good idea. I will pause on this one because I do like this uh, idea specifically. Um, I think actually somebody else brought this up also in our Facebook post where it would be not... Actually, it was Jennifer Brill. She wrote, paying Zen and not even getting another boff seat ability in the upgrade. I don't mind paying Zen to upgrade, but I do if the upgrade is manure. And give the lifetime accounts one free upgrade. 
It's literally the least that they can do. Um, I I think I li- I also like the idea of honestly lifetimers. This is a really good kind of example of what to do with with lifetimers. Uh, give them one free upgrade to their ship. It's an investment, and I'm sure that lifetimers are still investing money into the game, purchasing new ships, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I tend to like that idea that there should be a token, at least one token, for that account to be used on one of their characters for whatever ship they want to get. Even if it's just the ability to then have that player test it and, and kind of wet the palette and encourage them to upgrade more. You know what? I think that the, their answer to that would be that the the veteran ships are on the free upgrade list. So they get straight to T5U, although you would still need to get a fleet version if you wanted to be the full, you know, the full nine yards. Right, which I do have. I do have the fleet Chimera, so... Yeah, I would like to see uh, an upgrade to a free upgrade to that. Um, you know, being a, as a lifetime subscriber, I can appreciate that, and I think that uh, that's a pretty good um, that's a pretty good idea. But then again, I think that the whole EC, the tradable token, uh, is a pretty fair compromise to something like that. You know, where all right, well, I'll just buy it with the boatloads of EC that you know I've been sitting on for a while. You and Holton wrote, the lack of the 13th bridge officer ability is the biggest problem for me. The 11 console slot is minor in comparison. Dwayne Sibili writes, I was on board until they mentioned Zen costs. I've already shelled out 5,000 Zen on various sea store ships over the last year. And the thought of dropping another 500 to 1,000 Zen per unlocked sea store ship makes me wonder if I made a poor long-term investment. So William Mattioli Serenone wrote, I like so far what I'm seeing. I just do not like the missing bridge officer. And honestly, if they are making the tier 5 upgrade so close to the tier 6, why not go all the way and just make it a full tier 6? I don't mind having to pay. It actually seems fair, since it would be a superior ship. They would get their money, and we would get our updated ships, and everybody would be happy. No need to overcomplicate things. You know, I talked about this a little bit before when, when you were wrapping up the segment. That bridge officer power, maybe not even the specialist. I get the specialist. Keep the specialist to the, st- the tier six ships. Okay, I, I can appreciate that. I can understand it. But if I'm going to upgrade from tier five to tier five U and have it cost money, at least guarantee me that I'm going to get that. Take me from the ensign to the lieutenant commander. Just get rid of that, that, that ensign slot. I just Please, just get rid of it. Rick Wheeler wrote, I have zero problems with this. Seems fair to me. We've been paying for fleet modules to enhance our ship's hull, shields, and an extra console slot. So if they want to charge for scaling hit points, increases, another console slot, and starship mastery perks, I don't see how that is much different, particularly when you don't need to upgrade if you don't have to. What are people expecting something for nothing? Newsflash, they're already giving away items this coming weekend, which I find generous. I'm happy with these changes and will be upgrading my non-free upgrade ships. I mean, he's absolutely right. I mean, the, the game has to make money somehow. If you're playing, if you're free to play and you're not shelling out any money, it does, you know, I, I get that cheeks and seats are great for numbers, but one way, shape, or form, there has to be some kind of generated income, uh, and this is the way to do it. So I, I understand that, but I think they can sweeten the deal a little bit um, for that tier five upgrade. I just, uh, from what I'm reading, it just doesn't, for me, it doesn't feel like it's enough. You know, give me that, give me that power. Take me, get rid of that ensign. I hate that ensign. Get rid of it. <laughs> You're just killing off ensigns. If you don't already follow us on Facebook, make sure to check us out and join in on the discussions at facebook.com slash priority one podcast. We have a new constellation class. Captains, if you've been wanting to fly an overworked, underpowered vessel that will 
always be on the verge of flying apart at the seams, well, now's your chance. I tease, I tease. The Heavy Cruiser Refit Constellation Class is a Tier 3 ship available for purchase at 1,000 Zen from the Zen Store. The ship will come equipped with a console that has been on many people's wish list for a very long time. The Warp Burst Capacitor, which will finally give players the chance to perform the infamous Picard Maneuver from The Next Generation Season 1, Episode 9, titled The Battle. Now, there's been some great commentary uh, on the console and its benefits from uh, Bordicus Cryptic, and you can catch that thread and post in our show notes. But ultimately, uh, there was a bit of a misunderstanding. People thought that it really wasn't worth it, you know, especially when compared to uh, something like the uh, subspace jump. But according to Bordicus, this is actually a very powerful console. Not only will you be untargetable for five seconds, you'll also teleport forward along your current trajectory, six kilometers. It also grants a brief ambush bonus, so plus 15% bonus uh, on all damage. And it creates a clone identical to yourself at the location you teleport from, which is the only target that your uh, enemy can attack. So you become untargetable uh, for a short amount of time. Jace, you were talking earlier pre-show about uh, this being a pretty mean console, and you had already been reading and, and following up on the community feedback about it. What are people saying about it? Well, I saw people in-game chatting about it, and uh, it seems to come off as very nasty in PvP. I think they were also talking about it a little bit on the subreddit. Because you can use it both defensively and offensively. You can either use it to jump into an alpha strike and not be able to be hit for those five seconds while you're taking a plus 15% all your damage, suddenly jumping into attack range. Uh, or you can use it to break crowd control type abilities and get out of range and reposition yourself and heal up. So it's, it's, it's pretty flexible. It's neat. I used to use a subspace jumper a lot. But that was limited to you had to target somebody and it would position you relative to that target. This you can point and shoot yourself. Our second community question this week. So other than having the console, why would you want to buy this ship? Even its fleet variant. Let us know your thoughts in the comment section for this episode on PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO188 or in the post for this episode on the Star Trek online forums. Well, Captains, that wraps up Star Trek Online news for this week. Let's welcome first-time guest on the show, content manager Laughing Trendy, to discuss the changes to devlogs, and our recurring guest, community manager Captain Smirk, to discuss plans for the forums and other community engagement leading up to Delta Rising. Security clearance level 3 or above is required to access files. This is Captain Benjamin Sisko. Authorization Sisko Alpha 1 Alpha. Logs accessed. All right, Captains, today we are joined by Star Trek Online's Community Manager, Captain Smirk, and Content Manager, Laughing Trendy. Thank you both so very much for joining us this episode here on Priority One Podcast. Thanks for having us. Hi, everybody. Hello, everyone. Trendy, why don't we take this opportunity to uh, introduce you to the community? This is your first time on the show, uh, and it's great to have you, so thank you so very much for stopping by and speaking with us. Why don't you tell the community a little bit about what you do at Perfect World for Star Trek Online? Of course. So what I do is I handle most of the outward-facing content. What that means is most of the blogs that come out, they need to be processed, produced, and I'm one of the people that mostly handles that. So I get uh, coordination between the developers, get all the art assets finalized, schedule across um, 
America and EU. It's it's a bit of an involved process. Now, how long have you been with uh, Perfect World and working on Star Trek Online? About February. Very cool, very cool. So now, are, are you uh, a Trekkie? Are you a diehard Trekkie? Yes, indeed. All right, got to prove your Trek creds. What's your favorite episode at the very least? Mm, my, I'm trying to remember what the name of the episode is, but in DS9, when Quark and Cisco are having a conversation, if I recall, they were captured, and Quark ends up talking to Cisco about the comparisons of the Ferengi and humans. It was one of my favorites <laughs> due to the fact that it really out, it was a really good speaking point on how the Federation had this sort of high and mighty stance that the Ferengi actually could take apart. Plus, I love the Ferengi. Yeah, you do. I've <laughs> noticed you do. And you, you're one of the ones that want Ferenginar in the game. Oh, God, yes. I would love to go there. Can't you make that happen? I can bug. <laughs> so, now you've been really busy uh, recently, now gearing up for uh, Expansion 2. The dev blogs have taken a whole new look. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about that and, and, uh, and what changes players have hopefully noticed, and I'm sure have, because it's, it's phenomenal. Of course, and thank you. Um, so, I ended up trying to focus more of my attention to the visual aspect of the blogs. Previously, the blogs were information heavy, but lacked a lot of the artistic value that I thought was deserving to the Star Trek universe. So we saw a while ago that there was this influx of L cars, most notably in borders around images and on Facebook. That was sort of a test run to see what people would think of it. After that, we started to see the inclusion of more and more L cars with the uh, final product of what you're starting to see now where the entire page looks like it could be read on a data pad. Which comes across wonderfully. I, you know, one of the, you know, people have, of course, their issues with ARC, but I got to say, when looking at the new dev blogs on a mobile device, on a tablet, uh, my Galaxy Note 2, for instance, it feels like I'm looking at a pad. It just really brings that extra layer of immersion when reading these blogs so it's it's fantastic i love it and i love the way that i mean we call it, we're calling them dev blogs still but they're really dev reports now because <laughs> they're official starfleet transmissions and they look like it too and it's it's just it just really adds to the experience it was also really nice to put a lot of the stuff not only visually in universe but to start actually framing the information so like for instance the species report Christine Thompson worked with me to be able to make the entire report come in-universe rather than this sort of overview blog from a developer's standpoint. This was really awesome and I, I really, really enjoy being able to do stuff where it's not just a report to the players about here's this ship, here's the stats, this is what we designed it as, but more of like the engineering core telling you about the new design specs on this ship that is just coming out of dry dock. It's no secret that I'm a big proponent of moving Star Trek Online towards a bit of a more mobile-friendly platform, like, for instance, the DAW for the Gateway, because, you know, a lot of us spend a majority of our time on our mobile device. Now, this is that, that, that nice little extra immersive snack that I can appreciate, you know, while I'm in a passenger in a car and I want to, oh, a new blog has come out, something new came out, let me check it out on my phone, and 
boom, it's LCARS, right? It's super refreshing and it's uh, breathing a whole new life into the, uh, into the reports. It was actually something that I intentionally did after seeing Thomas's blog, the um, uniform guide. So in that, it was really, really well received across pretty much all channels, except one major complaint was that it wasn't mobile friendly. Mm -hmm. So what I tried to do is I tried to figure out a better format working with our platform so that people would be able to view it more on mobile devices. And so far I've been testing it out and getting a lot of different mobile devices able to actually view our blogs now and have that nice, clean, clear experience that they should have. Let's talk about this in ARC as a whole. What type of hurdles did you have to face trying to implement something like this? Are any of the other Perfect World games trying to do something like this. After a lot of them saw the success of this, uh, I know a bunch of the other community managers and content managers are trying to push for this because it's had such a great effect. Um, it took a little bit of time for me to figure out what the actual issues were to format all of our blogs appropriately so that they could be read on mobile devices, but now that that hurdle has been passed, it's a lot easier for all the teams to be able to make this happen. And ironically, did you guys remember the old static websites that we used to have? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, those across the different games were themed to be more representative of their games. They had individual styles, they had individual assets that was tying into the Neverwinter themes, the Star Trek themes, the Chant themes, and when we switched to ARC, we all kind of lost that. And now this is our effort to bring a lot of that back, because we know that a lot of people really love seeing, like you guys said, that other level of immersion in these blogs. And we really missed that when we switched over to the, the ARC format. And now it's great that the team and the company is on board and totally fine, and they actually love the work that Trendy's been doing to bring this back in, especially the dev team. They absolutely love the addition. Congratulations, Trendy. I mean, it's great work, and like I keep saying, it just adds that, that extra bit of level to the immersiveness of Star Trek Online. Thank you. I, oh. I, I do take a lot of pride in my work. LT, I want to ask you about the Easter eggs, because this is the first time I've ever seen that, and... You seem to enjoy putting little secret hidden messages in the dev blogs. <laughs> oh yeah, I've been doing that for about three months. People need to be very observant. We can expect to see more of that then. Well, you might not be able to catch them. <laughs> <laughs> well, can you give us an example of like one of the like a an Easter egg maybe that you're surprised nobody has caught on to yet? Of course. Uh, so in one of the headers, I believe it was for the species blogs. So you'll notice in the top right corner underneath the uh, Starfleet News Report, I believe that was the top header title. There are two buttons, and the L cars have LT and TM. LT stands for Laughing Trendy, myself, who ended up working on creating these blogs. And TM stands for Thomas Maroney, who, as you know, Thomas the Cryptic Cat, who, with the uniform blog, really gave this a lot more momentum. So that was actually a shout out to him. Nice. Very cool. Very cool. Very cool. So now what's the future of the dev blogs and this type of development, this artistic development with it? Where, where do you want to see it go, you know, three months, six months from now? One of the things that popped up in the tier six blog was the advent of new animations in our blogs. One of the things that I really like is the idea of having not just a static website, but a dynamic website with animations and more access and usage for people. So one of the things that I'm going to start trying to push for more is not just a single blog that you look at and you read, but that you can interact with. Ooh, interact with. Yep, 
It's on my big project list. I want to make our blogs all sorts of cool and tricked out. What do you mean interact with? Like I can slide something? Like what? What do you mean? I'm not going to tell you all the secrets. Ah, okay, okay. <laughs> what type of preparation are you guys doing now with uh, expansion two coming on in the immediate horizon? From my end, we have a lot of blogs that I'm sure you've all heard about, and I'm working on processing those, getting those checked with all the relevant uh, key stakeholders uh, across both teams just to make sure that it's coordinated for release and that's processing quite literally 40 plus blogs. Wow. Wow. Mm. If the release was discussed to be sometime in October, that's a lot for the next month or so. I am very busy. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of them still have yet to be written. I know a lot of people thought that the uh, 40 blogs ready to go meant that they were all done and finalized, but that couldn't be farther from the truth. Yes, that brings us to our next question. The community has been very vocal in expressing their concerns about the frequency and the detail of the dev blogs leading up to the release of Expansion 2, and we know many players would have appreciated learning everything there was to know the moment it was announced. But why don't you talk to us about what it takes to produce a dev blog and what happens behind the scenes to dictate the scheduled releases of each dev blog? Of course. So first off, we look at what our content is. We have a lot of new stuff coming in Delta Rising that we want to be able to deliver to players. And that includes across all channels, blogs for instance. So we look at our content, we look at our production line for when the content is going to be finalized and then from there we derive what blogs do we want to actually make do we want to showcase a blog on these ships do we want to showcase a blog on these systems or the story aspect and that that needs to happen way early in advance however after that point we need to actually write the blogs so we need to figure out who is the relevant uh, stakeholder usually a systems designer or an artist or Christine Thompson, who I absolutely love and adore for how much work she's done. And they actually write the blog. After that, it goes out to all the relevant team members. So if it's a systems blog, it has to circulate with the systems lead, the system designer, everyone in that department. After that, it goes to PWE. We end up going through a bunch of it, sending it back to them. They do their edits after we've done our edits and it goes back and forth until we come to what we agree upon is a nice finalized version that we want to showcase and then we do the same thing with the art assets so what pictures do we want to put in there what pictures do we feel comfortable showing to players what do we want to show off early or any images that we feel comfortable putting in the blog that won't spoil anything and then after we do another review process, we actually communicate with our EU team in Amsterdam and coordinate a blog publishing schedule with them for the release of the blog because they have to translate it into their respective languages. And then we post it. So the EU team, are they just translating? Do they ever write any of their own type of blogs for their communities? They translate a lot of the blogs, especially the ones from the developers. However, they, as I'm aware of, do a fine amount of writing themselves for their own personal stuff. That's a little bit more of what they produce mm -hmm. as community managers rather than content managers. Right. Kind of like how I will put out a blog for 
a podcast interview that's you know done solely in English, or a convention that's happening here in the states, or my live stream blogs, or the Friday screenshots and wallpapers. Those are all things that the EU team does with their own schedule, and they create for their own activities that they have going on with their communities, with conventions going on over in the EU and the UK. So they have a lot of work that they do on their own, independent from what we do for engagement and for community for community management with their communities, the French and German community. Like, did you see their coverage for their Gamescom visit? No, I actually haven't. We will have to send you a link. They did a great video yes, of one of the conventions they recently worked at. And I think they even had uh, Valendra there from Neverwinter, mm -hmm. the undead live, whatever it would be called, oh, wow. version. Non-zombie version. Yeah. <laughs> she wow, was like eight cool, feet man. tall. Now, with respect to uh, promoting Expansion 2 or, or working with the community, do you guys have anything planned? Anything uh, specific that you want to announce? Well, we do indeed have a lot of plans, and I'm still uh, about a week away from getting to unveil those plans as we go through them. But basically what I've got planned for engagement is to go through and start showing off some of the material pre-launch when it starts hitting our test server. So for any of the players out there who are unable to get access to the test server or don't have the time or don't completely want to see everything beforehand, but they'd like to see just a little, We've got some plans to showcase some of the stuff that's coming out. We can't show you everything. There's a certain amount of material coming out that we want people to have a fresh set of eyes on after the launch. But we want to be able to show some of it ahead of time to help answer questions about some, some of the upcoming changes in systems and new material that will be coming out that will require more of an explanation. There is some material that will be coming out that speaks for itself that we don't have to really go in depth to. We also want to show some of the new gear and some of the new items that are coming out, kind of like we did with Season 9.5 with the R&D system. I wanted to be able to get some of the gear to show it off to the players. How I've been doing with the lockboxes, where when a lockbox comes out, I love to be able to go in and show you guys the ships, the bridges, the special box, the special new powers, the new kit items, the new weapons. And that's really a lot of fun for us to do. And we're tailoring all that coming up for the X2 launch, leading all the way up until launch day. And we've got a ton of stuff to show you guys. And there is a lot of material that we haven't spoken about at all in any of the previews in the Vegas Con video. There's a lot of stuff that has not been mentioned or touched upon yet that you will all be finding out about piece by piece over the next couple of months. Very exciting. Very, very exciting. Now, Trevor, in our last interview, you were discussing about changes that might be coming uh, to the forums down the pike. Can you give us an update about that? Well, we definitely want to be able to change the way that we handle the forums, which a lot of people have noticed lately. We had the old system where we were putting up a forum thread for every single blog that came out. But unfortunately, when we went through the 9.5 release for the crafting system, we had so many different blogs that came out to explain the update that we ended up having several dozen threads about it that was just impossible for us to keep up with. The amount of feedback was so much that there was a lot of information that got lost in that tidal wave just because we had, I think at one point, over a dozen different official threads about it in different places, in the release notes, in the triple patch notes, in the Galactic News Network section, in the R&D section itself. And that didn't even touch upon the player-created, user-created threads. And we realized that this old system it worked well for dev blogs and specific events and sales when they came out, but when we were staggering blog information across five to six blogs, creating a thread for each one, it just became too much and too sporadic and it wasn't working anymore. So we made the decision that we needed to start keeping 
a major thread for everything, which you've seen much more of a trend to now, where we'll have one thread, even if we have several blogs about it coming out in pieces, we want to keep that all in one place so that we can better provide the feedback to the dev team and they can get better access to it. Like I'm sure everyone noticed with the tier five upgrade blog that came out yesterday, the thread that we had, uh, our community volunteer mods merged them together and the thread quickly became over 100 pages. And I stayed here until 10 o'clock last night going through all of it, starting when the blog came out to pull out the feedback from it, to send off to the, the devs to focus on specific questions that were left either unanswered or vague or needed some clarification. And that's basically what we want to be able to do with the forums. That was their original intent for them. So we just kind of have to corral it together. And we realized a while back that we have a lot of sub forums and a lot of places for people to go in that are very specific to what should go in that section. And it's a great idea in theory but in practice, we're noticing more and more that it's almost the curse of too many choices. Mm -hmm. A lot of players get stumped on exactly where they should go to put their feedback, so they tend to just go to general discussion. And we have a lot of different topics that are put in there that my volunteer mods were having to move around and move to the right section, and people would lose track of them, lose place of them. And we're trying to get away from this system where we don't know, or players don't exactly know where to go and we want to be able to give them more direction and more clear indication of if you want to talk about this or this go here for maximum visibility if you want to get your feedback heard this is the place to do it if it goes into another sub form we're afraid it might get lost or buried or not noticed for a little bit too long and we don't want that to happen we want to make sure that players are getting the right platform to speak about how they feel and what they think and what they'd like to see coming up. And we've got a lot of that to go through because we've just started with these blogs and you guys have already seen the amount of response we've got. How are you guys working now to review that feedback and, and convey it to the devs? I know you talked about a little bit about it more, but uh, if there's anything you can add to that. Well, the first line of defense is going through the posts and making sure that we can find the questions that we can answer. Of course, since we aren't the actual designers of the systems or the people who are creating the assets, we don't always have all of the answers. So if there's specific questions that get missed in the explanation in the blogs, we need to be able to grab those and send those to the right person to get the right answer, to give back to the audience, give back to the players. So we have to go through and find what is in there. And it's a lot of just going through the pages and post by post reading them, checking them out, taking the time to copy everything and make sure we've got the question correct to send off to the team and then making note of it and moving to the next one and the next one and the next one. And if it's a very, very hot topic subject, there's a lot of material that people put in their replies that become almost uh, mini novels in themselves. There's a lot of posts that are filled with information and a lot of it is really great, but it does take physical time to read through that to make sure it's not just glossed over. So that's where I get to spend the majority of my time going through and looking for this information and then sending that in a report back to the team and of course, there's always some information that we can't give out because it's gated and we want to wait until we have another explanation ready or it's tied to another bit of information that we're not clear to talk about yet. And there's also just the fact that there's one of me and there are thousands of posts a day and we want to be able to find everyone's information to give to the team and pass along. And thankfully, a lot of the devs are getting into the forums and responding and answering questions themselves. And that's a huge help for me. But I also have to go through and make sure I'm keeping up with bug report sections and different uh, sections for problems with people's machines and different setups that they have that need answers. 
So I have to go around between a lot of the subforms to find this information every day and make sure that it's getting passed along. And then when we have instances like the tier five upgrade, that's a big chunk of time that we spend devoted just to look through that information. And we wanna make sure it all gets to the team. It just requires physical time for us to compile all of it. And a lot of times, last night when I was going through the thread, the thread just kept getting longer and longer. And I kept, it was like one of those never ending hallway nightmares where you can't get to the door. It's, oh my God, it's almost there. No, five more pages. I started to notice that there were more posts and pages getting added onto that thread at the time than we could read through physically. <laughs> yeah, and then not. after several hours of reading through it, I left, I tweeted right before I left, and I was like, okay, that was 108 pages of reading, I'm gonna go now, and last <laughs> night my brain just kind of broke. Well, you know, it, there, there's no doubt that, uh, you know, you guys do churn through the forum replies and the feedback, and and yeah, I mean, when it, when push comes to shove, it's it's a physical endeavor, a physical labor of you having to read through each one of those forum posts, and, and they can get very detailed. They can get very, very detailed, like you explained, so. So we want to give this opportunity to open the mic to either of you. Is there anything that we didn't cover that you'd want to make sure that uh, came across to our listeners uh, and to the fans of Star Trek Online? Any projects that we may not have touched on? Well, we are coming up on our holiday weekend, so we hope everybody out there who celebrates Labor Day is going to have a good time. Go enjoy your weekend. We are definitely going to try to. But next week, we're going to be beginning a new push for a lot of material that we've got to cover. We had told everybody at the beginning of this week that this was a big week for us. We had a lot of information coming out and this is the start of the, the ramp up. So definitely keep your eyes out on the operations reports. Keep your eye out on Twitter, on the forums, on Facebook for more announcements to come. Um, we have a very big announcement coming out on Tuesday. I can't say more of what it is other than Tuesday. You will all be hearing some news that should make you all have great dreams about kittens the night after. Yay! It should be very exciting. So definitely watch out for Tuesday. And uh, keep watching out for news on upcoming live streams, which we're actually going to ramp up and start doing more of because we have a lot of information to cover. We've got a great plan in place for bringing a lot more podcast interviews and information out to the players. We really want to get more coverage for X2 just because of the sheer amount of information we have to go over and present to all of you, as well as direct you to where you can find glimpses, sneak peeks, and previews. And we just found out today that, I don't know if you guys saw my Twitter challenge of every 10,000 views we got on the announcement video, we would be able to release another screenshot. Mm -hmm. We definitely wanted to give you guys some exclusive images that weren't in the video. And after talking to the dev team today, they had some great suggestions for some information or some images that we can basically reward you guys with for getting this video bumped up in views, as well as some other things that I can't quite go into detail now. But we're going to start looking at getting some better Easter eggs, I guess we can call them, yeah. to present you guys for all the awesome, awesome feedback that we're getting on the video. The players love it. If you haven't checked it out, I would highly suggest going and watching it. It's really oh, exciting, it. and it's the tip of the iceberg. There's so much that we didn't get to show in it. Oh, God, yes. And we, we really wish we could talk about it now, but we have to save something for our live streams and our upcoming blogs. LT, anything else that you wanted to say? Just to keep an eye out on the blogs and uh, keep your eyes peeled for any Easter eggs, as well as a bunch of the new content coming. And hopefully when we start getting some of the more interactive content out on the website, that I hope you all enjoy it. Absolutely. Trendy, again, thank you so very much for the hard work that you've uh, put into 
bringing some amazing, unique life to the operation reports, letting them just fly off the page that way is just fantastic. So great work on that. It just looks beautiful. And Trevor, lots of eye drops, lots of wine. It's not an easy job uh, to have to go through those every post uh, and pay attention to everything that everybody's saying because uh, that's what players want and that's what you're doing for them. Um, despite what they may think, it's, some, it's a job that you are, uh, both of you are doing and uh, doing very well. So thank you very much for, for spending that time. Thank you. And one thing I forgot to mention earlier, uh, we just got some new codes made last week that we had a bit of a problem with a couple weeks ago, but we finally got them properly working. So I have a whole new batch of things to give out on live streams now over Yay. the next coming weeks. So keep an eye on that too. We're very excited we finally to bring some of this to you. Yeah, the live streams are great. I mean, you know, the, the, the feedback for that is always fantastic. So uh, thank you again, both of you, for the work that you have done to continue the legacy of Star Trek Online. Thank you so much. And thank you guys, too, for all the help you've been giving us with promoting and really pushing some of the things that we've been getting out to get noticed to the players so that they're aware of this great content that we're releasing and putting out. So thank you guys all for your help and just for making us laugh every time we listen to the show. <laughs> yeah, you guys are awesome. It's, it's members of the community that really bring this job to life. Well, thank you again, both of you, so very much for stopping by. Uh, we hope to have you again sometime soon to talk more about Expansion 2 and Delta Rising and all the amazing uh, community and content-related things that we're going to be seeing on the website uh, and uh, on Twitch and on the forums and, and everywhere. That wraps up our interview. Let's uh, open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, we're at that point of the show where we open hailing frequencies to see what's incoming from you, our listeners. So just a reminder, last week's episode, the community question was, now that it's possible to level up to 60 on Tribble, who of you has been able to check it out? And what are your thoughts? On PriorityOnePodcast.com, Neela Detan writes, I like the level cap increase. With something that was desperately needed, in my opinion, can't wait to look at the skills from 50 to 60 some more. Berthoff commented via PriorityOnePodcast.com, Hey guys, another great pod. Loved your The Red Shirt Diaries segment. Checking that out now. Not sure if I really want to go look-see the new stuff in advance. I'm all hyped for the breaking news and little details, but there are differences between that, testing it, and playing it. I am also of the school of thought that I try to avoid testing. I know that because of this podcast, I, I should. I should get in there and try to play it as much of it as I can. But I'm, for this expansion, I think I'm going to wait until we get closer and closer to it. Maybe maybe the second or third week into September before I download Tribble and start playing it. Because there's just so much subject to change between now and then. We also haven't been receiving... I mean, this week has been different with the blogs. This week we've been getting quite a few of them. But I think I would rather wait. And uh, speaking of Red Shirt Diaries, Captains, today, September 1st, when you're listening to this recording, is the first episode that uh, was released from the Red Shirt Diaries. So be sure to uh, check out Ashley and her project over at theredshirtdiaries.com. I like to test things out. I am totally a tester. So once I can get onto Tribble, which I can't right now, but once I can, I'm totally going to check it out because I like to prepare. Let's remind people how you can get into Tribble. First and foremost, you have to be a paid mm -hmm. right, currently member of Star Trek Online. You have to either be a monthly subscriber or you have to be a lifetime member. 
Um, you say currently, what would change that, Jace? Uh, they can open it up to everybody closer to the time. Which is likely. I'm sure that they probably will. Yeah, because it used to be available. I used to be able to get on there, but right now I can't. Right. They're just doing limited testing right there now. Because all that really is on there is you can level up further. But just by doing existing content. There's not, it's not like there's new missions. All right, Sean Newboyer posted on the PriorityOnePodcast.com website. Wonderful episode, everyone. Thanks, Ashley, for stopping by and letting us know about your project, whose first episode debuts on September 1st today. So be sure to check that out at the redshirtdiaries.com. Love the crystalline catastrophe coverage by Cookie. When I checked out the extra levels on Triple, the only rewards were more points for the standard skill tree, not worth working on. And the feedback segment you guys brushed against what ships you guys are using. I would love to hear what you guys are flying and why. In fact, that may be an interesting community question. Who's flying something for abilities and who's flying what for RP and the such? That's a really good question. Maybe we should do a, uh, a command school segment on that. Mm-hmm. I have a whole bunch of stuff that led up to why I fly the ship that I fly now. It wasn't just a haphazard choice. Oh, very interesting. On the Star Trek Online forum post for this episode, Woody Valley writes, I always consider Star Trek Online to be rather fast-paced, with not much effort to hit level 50. Just need a weekend and you're there. Reputation is not much better. Even though it's in its early days, I do like how much it has slowed down in leveling up. Just now wondering on how much skill and expertise is rewarded with the Delta Rising content. That's my problem right there with the whole reputation leveling up your ship kind of thing if it takes a while to get from 1 to 50 and you're supposed to level your ship up accordingly like with it it should be a joint effort what happens when i get to 60 and i want to level up a new ship it's gonna it's just gonna take forever i would think snoggy mac 22 commented on the star trek online forum post for this episode my thoughts are specialization tree is just alternate advancement from everquest and we already know how boring and grindy that ended up being also, the raise in level creates even more issues with the concept of ranks. Overall, raising the levels as a basic function of gameplay is fine. Raising the level cap in this game ruins the fluff slash lure, and their idea for spec tree is just old, tired, and lame game design from 2001. Uh, I would like to see more of it first. There's other games that have used different types of systems that are analogous or, or an evolution of an alternate advancement system. Um, but yeah, it is a concern. Will it just be if you if it's something you can eventually max it out? Will it just be, you know, grind till you max it out? Because you know the race to the most efficient way of playing, whether it's fun or not. Azurian Star wrote to us via the Star Trek Online forum post for this episode. I wonder if they realize that tier six ships will surely put a major dent in their tier five ship sales, and since they only got a handful of tier six ships. Who's going to buy Tier 5 ships now? What if for future sales they raise the price of all their Tier 5 ships by the difference and just make them all Tier 5U automatically for new purchasers? Oh, that's a good point, actually. Like, why wouldn't you want to buy... If you were going to buy a Tier 5 ship, why wouldn't you want to use the Tier 5 upgrade? Like, why? It's not affecting the cosmetics of the ship, right? Because it's still going to... A Galaxy X is going to still look like a Galaxy X, right? Or or, uh, Avenger is still going to look like the Avenger upgraded. I assume they're not going to unbind all these consoles so that you can use them with other ships, which is unfortunate. So remember, it used to be that the the max tier ships, whatever console came with them, was stuck on that ship. You couldn't move it anywhere else other than the fleet version of it. Uh, But with lower tiers, when you buy a tier 3 ship, that console can go on anything. So it'd be nice if they released some of those consoles so you can use them on your tier 6 ships now. But I doubt it. Like the Picard maneuver. 
So, Captains, two weeks ago, uh, I had talked about the launch of a new form that I wanted to use and make available to the listeners of Priority One, the listeners who uh, invite us into their ears every Monday morning and uh, and welcome us into their day, into their Monday routine. And this form was to give you a chance to uh, provide constructive feedback for the game, right? So that it, it may not get lost in the forum shuffle uh, that you might go and find on, on the Star Trek Online forums. So we created a page, PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash game ideas, all one word, game ideas. Like I said, we our plan is to read your game ideas on the show from week to week. Now, we can't get through all of them, but uh, we've already had several. And the important thing about this form is that it asks several questions. Not just, what do you want to change from the game? But no, no. First, tell us your ad handle. Tell us what you like about the game. Tell us what you don't like about the game and why you would change it or how would you change it. And we encourage you to offer comparisons to other games or other mechanics that you might have seen in your experiences as a gamer. Again, this is, this is something that we want to do for our listeners. Let's start off with uh, our first two pieces of feedback here in, uh, on, on player game ideas. So this week we'll hear from at Mater Scout and at the Grand Nagus. So starting off, what's your favorite thing about Star Trek Online and why? Mater Scout wrote, I was drawn into STO with their dynamic space battles and ships. Still no other MMO has space battles with real strategy like STO. The Grand Nagus says, no surprise here, the Foundry. Why? Because it means I have a brand new mission to play every single time I log on. Think about that. A mission I have never played before every single time I log in. Mainly because devs can't keep up with the pace players consume their content. But STO has unlimited content thanks to the Foundry, and that's what keeps me playing. So with what don't you like about Star Trek Online and why, starting off again with Mater Scout, the end game. I feel after I do all the STFs and episodes, I've hit a brick wall and the constant reputation grind, even for seasonal events, feel like work. And now no one wants to work after getting off from work. The Grand Nagus writes, Cues and UI content. I know cues make it easier to find groups, but being instantly transported to a mission and then being instantly transported back makes cues, makes queued missions feel like they aren't a real part of the game. It feels almost like playing a video game inside a video game, which I don't like. By UI content, I mean reputation systems, where you spend points and get rewards through UI without even dealing with an NPC who represents the group you are helping. I would rather go visit an NPC on New Romulus to get rewards from the rep system than have a UI screen give them to me. Again, it just makes it feel like it isn't part of the real game world. Uh, and I can appreciate that. I, you know, I, Grand Nagus definitely is notorious for content, right? The development of content and immersion. Um, but I, I, I get that. I don't remember thinking to myself, oh, I got to go to Deep Space Nine to get the honor guard gear or whatnot. I, I kind of liked going there, although going there was not the problem. It was it was having to exchange all these <laughs> currencies to get the gear. That was the problem. But yeah, the the you know just having it on your screen and easily accessible. Yeah, I guess Star Trek was like that, right? Having it on your pad. But maybe that sentiment will change if we can have this type of access on our tablet. Our next question is: How would you improve what you least like about Star Trek Online? Mater Scout says, "Add a testing ground to test your ship. 
maybe a holodeck on your ship where you can fight other ships so you can test builds without having to fly across the galaxy to see what works and what does not work. This will also let people see which weapon type they like more. Just a way to test our ship build is all I want. You know, I am surprised that they haven't included this yet. I mean, you have Foundry missions that do this, and, and I remember when they were rewarding Foundry missions, this was a big problem because this was, you know, go in and blow things up. Why haven't they done, like, a holodeck testing ground? I mean, I know they had that for City of Heroes, right? You could go and test your powers, and I think Champions Online has a, a mechanic like this. Why not for your ships? Why not something, you know, you, you go on Earth Space Dock and you fly up to a holodeck simulation and test your ship. Oh, that's a cool idea. We have that in the Foundry. Right, but but if there was a point where it was being abused. That feature was being abused. So you do not get any rewards for doing these holodeck missions. You just, if you're a theory crafter or you're a mid-maxer, then you launch your, your parser and run these holodeck missions to test out what kind of DPS you're pulling out. You could even have it be a little bit like on Tribble where you can sometimes get gear from a console to test it out. You know, I think for some people that would encourage more purchases. Like I'm not gonna buy a whole set of Tetrion when I, all my gear is phasers, uh, unless I, you know I've talked to some people who have really analyzed it, because it's a big expense to get either fleet weapons or, or reputation weapons. That's hundreds of thousands of dilithium and a lot of time for marks. Yeah, yeah. So the Grand Nagus answered this question with, honestly, I don't think there is really improving the issues I mentioned above because they're a design choice and something a lot of people probably like. So instead, I'd like to improve something about the Foundry. Currently, if you come back to a mission you were playing but hadn't finished, you have to reload through every previous map to get to the one you were on last. Please change it so you load directly to the last map you were on, like in Neverwinter. So I have seen that concern before that, yeah. I agree. I agree with that. Especially because we recently did Tony's Foundry missions, and sometimes you don't have a couple hours. You have to kind of split it up a little bit. And that would be really nice if you could just load the last map and just kind of bookmark where you were. Well, Captains, if you haven't already filled out our game ideas form on our website, check it out at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash game ideas and let us know your thoughts. And even if you have filled it out already and something else has come up, Think of something new that you like about Star Trek Online and address those concerns for the things that aren't keeping your cheeks in those seats. So um, we encourage you again to check out PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash game ideas. The plan is at the end of every month, we'll send these off to uh, Cryptic Studios so that they can review them and get a better understanding of what players are looking for during things that we may not be able to have the opportunity to cover on the show. And of course, each week our social media channels are busy with your thoughts, your opinions, and suggestions for the show, so please keep them coming. You can reach out to us on facebook.com forward slash priority one podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at STO priority one, or of course, shoot us an email to incoming at priority one podcast.com. Well, that wraps up episode 188 of Priority One Podcast. Be sure to catch our episodes every Monday morning by pointing your podcast catchers to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com or by just visiting priorityonepodcast.com. Captains, you know we love hearing from you. Let us know what you think of the show and submit your responses for our community question in the comment section on our site or on the STO forum post for this episode. Remember, this week's questions are, what did you think of the new announcement trailer for Delta Rising? Did you catch any teasers or Easter eggs that we might have missed? 
And so other than having the console, why would you want to buy the new Constellation refit, even its fleet variant? Stay in touch with us throughout the week by following our social media websites. Head over to facebook.com forward slash priority one podcast and give us a like. Or check us out on Twitter via at STL Priority One. You can even join the Priority One podcast in game. Just type forward slash channel underscore join space Priority One. Captains, we want to thank you for your ongoing support of Priority One Podcast. Without it, we would not be able to bring you the content you've grown to enjoy from Priority One Podcast. And don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions Guard Frequency Podcast at guardfrequency.com. It's a pretty good show. You should check it out. The Priority One fleet is recruiting. If you're interested in joining, just shoot us an email with your ad handle and we'll be sure to send you an invite. The email is incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Are you a Klingon warrior? Well, now you can join our Klingon fleet division, Warriors of Priority One. Join today. A special thanks to content manager Laughing Trendy and community manager Captain Smirk. Thanks to the entire team behind Priority One Podcast, including our audio engineer, Skiffy, audio assistant, Ben Churchill, and QA support staffer, Midnight Shadow 7. Thanks to our graphic artist, Henry, a.k.a. Romulan Ale. And to all of our bloggers and their managing editor, L. We hope our Andorian friends are having a blast at DragonCon this weekend. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Epic, Gamer Radio, Subspace Radio, and Trek Radio. But most importantly, Captains, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek online community, and our listeners. Because without your ongoing support... None of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Shields up. Ready weapons. Engage. Oh, he's overcome. He's all verklempt. What the heck just happened? Captains, we want... Hold on a second. I need water. He was frightened because he saw a bug. Oh, dude. No, he's looking for a bug. The cat ran away. There are no bugs. There are no bugs. We got your back. You can't see the corners of the ceiling, and that's where the demons usually are. The demons of air Captains, we want to thank you for your... Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I I know exactly what It reminded me of that, and it was like, I love that. Fired. You're fired, Jace. <laughs> Jace, you should know. You've been, haven't you been watching it? I watched the first episode or whatever. BSG? <laughs> oh, come on. you got to give it a chance. <laughs> it is astonishing Anyways. that you didn't make it past the first episode. Seriously. We digress. <laughs> <laughs>
Now we'll get to this later, but tier five upgrade shit. <laughs> what were you gonna say? Quick? Hold your tongue and say the ship went down the drain. <laughs> no. <laughs> um. I like that. That's the cookie cupcakes redacted sound, folks. Including low buy lockbox. Lockbox. You've got the lockbox. Open one too many keys. So. Okay. How? What? No, no, no. This is. Not, I just wondering. Like, how, what? <laughs> <laughs> We're back. All right, should be back now. Testing, All testing, right. testing, testing. Blueberries, blueberries, testing. I believe though they have a special program for you called the Silver Platter, which they will present you with things <laughs> on. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> You might be able to F right through it, Elijah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there will be an F involved. <laughs> There's my F is right here, right here. Hashtag FG. <laughs> <sighs> Good thing you know what you're doing. Oh, I'm still recording. Hold on. <laughs> you guys, I just found the volume button on my headphones. <laughs> <laughs> I just found it. It's so much. Oh, the miracle it's so much of technology. To hear you. <laughs> That's amazing. All night she's been. Why, have, why can't I not hear you guys? So Everybody's low. so Are quiet. You, that on purpose? <laughs> you guys messing with me? I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I interrupted your thing, but this is so exciting. I did not know this was here, and it's like I kept touching it, and then I moved it, and then it was like everybody was louder. <laughs> like, oh my god, this is it. This is the reason. What's this button do? I'm sorry. Bazag head. Sorry to interrupt. Aqua shoes and cookie out of blonde moment. This is a new headset. This is a new headset for me. I was not used to it. This is my first time using this headset. For the Anyways, sorry. I'm sorry. Thank you for Go ahead. I'm sorry. Thanks to the entire. <laughs> a special thanks to community manager Wrong. Laughing Trendy and uh, a special thanks. A special thanks to content manager Laughing Trendy and community manager. It's a little too loud now. We, Hold on, we, let me turn you down. That's amazing. <laughs> you know, our last our last uh, Trek Radio Live broadcast really needed a moment like this, I think. It's I want to thank you all in this in this stream for sharing this with us. Why are you guys talking yeah. so loud? A special thank <laughs> you. <laughs> guys, why are you so loud now? Oh my god. Can you tone it down a bit? A 